CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're glad you've joined us as we wrap up this week. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour. as We get together every weekday afternoon at this time, live radio, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible. And uh, again, what's going on in the world? If you want to uh, give us a call, we'll do our very best to give you a good biblical answer. What the Bible really says on that topic, that number again, 8888-ASK-CSN. And uh, looking forward to answering some questions for all of you. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker here on the Weekend Times, the Dacus Report. We have with us Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute, attorneys representing people like you and me against unfair laws. And hi and welcome, Brad. Oh, hello. Great to be on the program. Thank you. Always a blessing to be with you. Looking forward to answering some questions with you today. And uh, what's your latest case? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we have so many cases in active litigation. Uh, I have to say that some of the, the latest cases are dealing with uh, teachers uh, being told that they have to lie to parents, um, and uh, they also have to be use pronouns that encourage confusion among little among children, and and of course violate the conscience of those teachers. Uh, that's a new hot area of, of litigation. We're taking on these cases and. Um, it's uh, it's unfortunate, but we we have that kind of an attitude and, and psyche in many of our public school districts across the country that's uh, forcing us to have to step up like this. I know it's a, always a tragedy when people simply just won't do what uh, they're supposed to do, and uh, they've got another agenda. And that's what we all have to be careful of. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones again. Eighty eight. 88 ask CSN is the number to call when you hear somebody hang up call right then you're sure to get on let's go to Mark Fort Worth Texas hi and welcome hello Mark looking for Mark you hear me hello yes we can hi and welcome thank you good to be on your show it, it's clear that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven and yes. the people of his day had limited access to him. I know it says in Acts that we are to repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, and we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I just, my question is, if the Holy Spirit can live with within us, by obeying one of the most important callings, then why is the Holy Spirit in baptism so underrated and underemphasized? Well, it's unfortunate because it shouldn't be. The Bible tells us to repent and be baptized, not for salvation, for baptism, but as obedience. Now, again, there is nothing you or me, anybody does to earn salvation. There's no good thing dwells in the flesh, the Bible says. Um, we have to be born again. That's what allows us to go to heaven. But being obedient to the Holy Spirit, this is where baptism comes in. And again, when you quote that particular verse there, you're, you're quoting there when 
the Holy Spirit was given back in Acts chapter 2, and primarily the audience was Jewish. They were there. Now, again, understanding to convert to Judaism in the Old Testament, you would renounce your pagan deities, you would embrace Yahweh as your God, and then you'd take a ceremonial washing. This is what made, again, John the Baptist's ministry so unusual that he came to the Jewish nation saying, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. Well, this was radical because they thought they inherited their righteousness from our father Abraham, they'd often say to Jesus, or Moses taught us. Not what we personally believe, but it was borrowed from someone else. So understanding the Jewish mindset to be converted would mean that you would renounce your pagan deities, that you would embrace Yahweh, and then take a ceremonial washing. And thus, I believe this is why it's worded that way. Because other places, we don't find that. Paul says, I came to preach the gospel. I thank God that I didn't baptize anyone. Well, if baptism is part of salvation, then baptism is the gospel. Paul says it's not. So I believe this is why we we need to be careful. But at the same time, we never want to under underscore uh, baptism as far as not being important. I believe it is important. I believe it's one of the first works we do in obedience to Christ. And the Bible tells us that being filled with the Spirit, again, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not works. Well, you know, Jesus and me, we just got so close that he filled me up with the Holy Ghost. Is an old song we used to sing in church in the uh, uh, late 60s, early 70s. Well, that's not true, really. The, uh, Jesus said, you being of the world know how to give your children good gifts. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's simply asking and receiving. It isn't anything we do to get it. And I think that's very, very important because, again, we want to sometimes say, look what I did. Oh, man, I, you know, I'm cool, man. And depending on what particular group of people you're around, well, we don't worship on Sunday. We worship on Saturday because we're better than you. We don't eat pork because we're better than you. None of those things add anything to our spirituality. Our spirituality, as the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the author, finisher of our faith. So any spirituality that I have, I never generated. I I simply got that from accepting what Jesus Christ did for me, the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not wages. I didn't earn it. And then, okay, here's your paycheck of eternal life. No, a gift is something you didn't earn. It's something that was given to you. And I believe this is why that is so, so uh, most important. Now, when it comes to the gift of the Holy Spirit, I'm really surprised so many churches are so, you might say, anti-Holy Spirit. Well, you get everything when you get saved. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches something completely different. Whether you're looking in Acts chapter 8, where they were all believers, they had been baptized, they had been baptized uh, as new believers— But the Bible says, yet the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. Well, I hear people with really bad doctrine say, well, no, it was going to be another Acts chapter 2 experience for the Gentiles. And so, therefore, that's why the apostles came down and and, uh, uh, laid hands on them. That is not what the Bible says. That's false teaching. The Holy Spirit was given in Acts chapter 2 for everybody, and very clearly we find that there was Gentiles there as well. So there's not two outpourings of the Holy Spirit, one for Jews, one for Gentiles there in chapter 8. 
No, it's simply that the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. And again, it, it was imparted by asking, by the laying on of hands. That's what we find. Acts chapter 19, Paul says, since you believed, have you been filled with the Spirit? Very clearly, speaking of a second work of God. Now, is it possible to receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Yes, we have a biblical instance of that, where Peter was preaching to the Gentiles after the whole ordeal with the sheet that was let down from heaven with all kinds of creepy animals and stuff like that, and God said, rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Well, finally, he gets to speaking to the Gentiles, and we remember right in the middle of his sermon, I can just see him nodding their head, believing on Jesus, and they began to speak with other tongues. That That's true. Now, does everybody that is Spirit-filled pray in tongues? The Bible says, no, they don't. If you don't have the gift of tongues, you're going to have one of the other gifts. And this is very clear in Acts chapter, um, Acts chapter, uh, let's see, where Paul is converted. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, something like scales fell off his eyes. No mention of him speaking in gifts, a gift of the Spirit until later in his ministry. And certainly when we go to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but um, they didn't because there there was other gifts evident there. So uh, your thoughts on that, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree with what, what you just said. And as far as baptism goes, uh, it's, it's so important for people to understand it's not like a half of a, of a ticket to heaven. You know, half of it's believing and the other half is doing something, uh, baptism or, or, or whatever. Um, when we add things on to Jesus's, uh, dying on the cross for our sins, for our salvation, when we add things onto that, we're effectively lessening what Jesus did on the cross. We're cheapening the cross. We're saying, yeah, Jesus, that was good, but not quite good enough. I still have to do this over here or do that over here. Uh, in addition, uh, on the flip side, I will say this. Uh, if you, if there's a believer out there and they say, yeah, baptism, uh, yeah, I really don't care about it. I, you know, I know what the Bible says, but I don't know. I don't want people to, to look at me weird if I'm being baptized or something. I, I don't know. It's not that big a priority to me. Um, I, you know, I have, I, that's sort of baffling to me. You know, why a true believer who is, putting his confidence, what Jesus did on the cross and in dying on the cross for his sins or her sins to say, eh, yeah, I don't think I want to be obedient to that uh, open profession of, of faith in Jesus. That I think should be seen more as a, as a, a test. Do they know the Lord? Do they have that personal relationship? Do they really believe that Jesus died and rose again for them and uh, to bear their, their sins on the cross? Um, you know, that's, I think that's more of a, of a test question as to the, uh, maybe the legitimacy of their faith and their walk or their, at the very least, their walk with the Lord. But by no means is baptism, uh, it can ever be seen as a requirement, uh, for, for heaven. Um, gee, what Jesus did on the cross was full, was sufficient, complete, and we can rest in that. Yeah. Because if you go to, again, Acts, uh, you, you mentioned Acts 2. But if we go to Acts 3, verse 19, we don't find any mention of baptism here. It says, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. So I hope that helps, Mark. Yes.
Stay alive. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Uh, we got a brand new DVD we're giving out right now. It's um, Atheist Delusion by Ray Comfort, as well as the movie Jesus, as well as a little booklet called Time to Grow, and of course, God of Wonder. Stay on the line. Great for evangelism, Mark. Great question. God bless you. Let's go to Diana, Norwalk, Iowa. Hi, and welcome. Hi, pastors. I have a couple of questions about Matthew chapter 27, verses 52 and 53. After Jesus had died, there was an earthquake, and the tombs were opened up, and God's people were raised to life. Then, Mm -hmm. after Jesus was resurrected, these people then went into the holy city and were seen by many. And my question is, were these people from the Old Testament? And after they were seen by many people in the city, what do you think happened to them? I know the Bible doesn't say, but I was just wondering if you guys thought that they had ascended into heaven like the way Jesus did. I believe that they died again, uh, and most likely and very probably they were uh, converted and uh, went to heaven. Um, we, We know that those, of course, I believe that were resurrected were those who uh, were believers in God. Um, and um, this isn't the only time we find dead people coming back to life in the Old Testament either. We remember Elijah, the little boy, First Kings, um, and uh, he prayed, and the little boy came back to life again. The Bible says his spirit returned to him. It didn't say it woke up inside of him. It says it returned to him, which I think is very important. But there you find, again, God can, can do these things and has done these things as a testimony that, in fact, he does have power over death. And he even resurrected at that time. That resurrection power of Christ was so powerful. Uh, that sin forgiveness was so uh, in, incredible that people even came back to life and were seen in the city, I believe, as a testimony of the power of Jesus. And so I I believe that was the picture that we find there. And then I believe they died again, um, and they were um, uh, then in in heaven with him. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so, too. Um, This is, uh, it's not unusual to, for God to be able to, you know, to do that. Um, And it makes, actually makes sense in, in that, uh, this was a, this was the beginning of a new covenant. Uh, this was, uh, dramatic and it makes total sense that God would, uh, would do things like this to make it very, very clear to the people, particularly there in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, that, uh, this is, uh, this, this is my son. This is what's happened. He's, he's risen. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that, that's goes right along with, uh, with which is what was the purpose, which was to to wake up the people to understand that their Messiah had come and uh, has uh, had risen from the dead. I hope that answers it for you. Well, the, these people, um, so they were during the time when Jesus was still here. So the people in the city would recognize would recognize them, right? I, I believe they were they were probably people that they had known, um, and otherwise, um, you know, there would be people walking through the city that no one knew or whatever. I mean, even if they were a couple generations back. So evidently it was people that would be recognizable by the crowd. So I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you so much. Stay online if you like. Send you out the package that we send everybody, Diana. I think you'll enjoy it. Great for evangelism. 
God bless you. Thanks so much for the call. You know, we have a call uh, that he didn't want to be on the air. His name is James in Washington. and uh, Didn't want to be on the show, but he was upset uh, with their governor in Oregon raising the LBG flag instead of the American flag. Your thoughts, Brad? Oh, that's sick. Um, that's uh, it's sick. It's demented. Uh, you know, the uh, the American flag, to put anything in replacement of the American flag um, is um, is an insult to America. But when they put something like, like that, the LGBTQ flag, uh, in preference to the American flag, um, I mean, I, treasonous is maybe a little strong of a word, but um, I, I think that uh, that, that governor owes, owes an apology uh, to the people of Oregon uh, no matter what flag he put up and replaced the Washington, American flag, Washington. excuse me, Washington, Washington. Thank you. Um, yeah, that governor owes a, uh, she owes a, an apology to uh, to the people of Washington, and um, it's uh, very uh, just disappointing to see that see that happen. We've had a case matter dealing with a fireman who uh, didn't want to be in his that fire station uh, because they put up a, a you know the the LGBT flag right underneath right underneath the American flag. And he said, in conscience, I cannot be here while that is being, while that is flying because that goes totally against my beliefs and my Christian faith. And, uh, he was transferred and, uh, and that matters to some extent real, still ongoing, but, um, that is real and unfortunate. It's an active statement of intolerance. It sends a message to the people of Washington that, uh, they are, um, that, that these, these are the people who are welcome, people who, who sign off on, on this, Radical LGBTQ ideology, which conversely means uh, people who don't aspire to that and bow the knee to that flag, um, they're subhuman or they're not they're not full citizens or they're not respected. It's very dangerous from just uh, a human rights perspective in that regard as well. Yeah, it's really really a tragedy that you know if you're going to do that, then you know you got to raise the carpenter union flag, you've got to raise the plumbers union flag, you've got to raise. I mean, where are you going to stop? And so to single out one particular uh, uh, group of people, which is a very 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 minority in the United States, uh, and and parade that around as if it's some uh, great thing, I believe again she owes everybody a big apology. Or just simply needs to be impeached, which is probably more preferred. Hope that helps. God bless you. Thanks so much for that, that, uh, note that you sent in. Actually, he called in, left the information and then, uh, uh, left. And that sad. He was just fearful of repercussions. Crazy yeah. stuff. So going back to the phones, we have Tom on the line in Kansas. Hi and welcome. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Brad, uh, me, we my question my question is probably directed to you. Have you ever heard of the American Community Survey? I have a Brad of you. No, I have not. It's, uh seems to be a very intrusive survey about uh what size your house is, how many bathrooms you got, what do you heat with? Uh how many square feet can you spare for uh, illegal aliens, et cetera? Is it put out by the government? Or or yeah, the government. Federal or state government, do you know? Federal. Federal. Wow, what an extreme inv- invasion of privacy. 
the courts have granted uh, a great deal of deference with regards to census questions uh, by the government for census purposes. This doesn't sound like it's for census purposes, uh, first off. Secondly, I've never heard them go that extreme um, of, in terms of in, in regard to their questioning. Is there any penalty punishment that's that's threatened against you if you don't answer the questions or answer all of the questions? I believe it's a hundred dollars per question and three hundred dollars okay. if you don't do the survey. Yeah, well, um, I'd like to I'd like you to contact our our office about that. Um, especially if you have uh, sincere religious convictions uh, regarding uh, not uh, disclosing or not answering those those questions, some or all those questions, uh, that, that is extremely intrusive. Um, and it's it, it's people need to understand when the government has information, they have power. With information is power, their ability to control, their ability to uh, to treat one person differently than another one at one address versus another address. They can isolate, they can destroy um, very selectively. Uh, so that that information, uh, especially when we see such a somebody, it's so common for the, the you know for the Chinese or others to hack in and, and gather information that the government has. We've seen that happen. I know myself. I used to work for the federal government years ago, forty years ago, and for that short period of time, I later get a notice that um, over four million former federal workers, myself included. Uh, that information and data about us, data was breached, apparently by uh, someone in China, uh, presumably, and um, therefore they were going to provide some kind of a security software protection to some degree. But bottom line is the information is now in the hands of some probably totalitarian enemy of the United States. So uh, people have a, have a good right, a good reason, pragmatically not to want to disclose all their information to the government. But even then, our government is one where many people do not do not trust it, and you know for varying reasons. Um, and then finally, you have just people who pray about it and feel like, you know, may feel like, hey, I don't think the Holy Spirit wants me to do this. I don't think this is right. Um, so if if that's where you're at, feel free to contact us on our website pji.org. Please mention that you talked to, uh, to me on this radio show, and that I encourage you to contact PJI. And if you have serious religious convictions, you prayed about it, you don't think it's right. Please articulate that in the information that you uh, send to us when you go to the website pji.org and you request uh, for legal review or legal assistance. Yeah, pretty much an invasion of privacy there, Tom. I don't think there's yes. any doubt about that. So I hope that helps. That does. That does. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. God bless you, Tom. And uh, stay online. We'll send you out some things as well uh, that I think you'll enjoy. With that, we'll go to Brad in Fort Worth. Hi, and welcome. Hi, uh, gentlemen. Thank you very much for taking my call. I just had a a quick prayer request. Um, My church, Covenant Life DFW, is having a praise and worship night tonight, and Mm -hmm. I just sense in my spirit that the Holy Spirit is just wanting to touch some people tonight, and I would just appreciate your prayers. And we also have another local church that's having a men's conference, the Hills, and I would just ask for your prayers that the Holy Spirit touch them as well. Well, let's do that. Father, we just lift up uh, these two churches uh, and these people that come together to worship you. The Lord, just pour out your blessing upon them. Lord, we come not demanding anything. We come to you petitioning you as a loving Father, saying, Father, bless them. What they need, you know what we need. 
before we even ask. And so I pray that according to you, great will, that you would inspire us, that you would fire baptize us, and that we'd be about your business in everything we do, and especially in this group, in these groups tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be praying for you, Brad. Thank you, sir. Have a blessed day. You too. If you like staying online, we'll get you taken care of. Perhaps you can share them with your congregation. Let's go to Esther, Fallon, Nevada. Hi, and welcome. Hi. Um, just a quick question. I Well, it may not be a quick question, but maybe you can kind of help me with this. So I had this crazy thought one time, and it was uh, it had to do with the whether whether we would ever be able to, to go um, faster than the speed of light. Um, and so I know Einstein had said that um, in his theory of relativity that um, that no one, you know, that the 186,000 miles a second was the fastest, that no one, no one could go faster than that. So I started thinking, like, you know, if if no one will ever be able to travel the speed of light, would it be possible for heaven to exist where, where, um, where time comes to a standstill? Does that make sense? Like, I know, I know, does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, well, let, let me just tell you this. You're, you're on to something here, and this is what, what is amazing, that even in our science, real science, tells us that, that time bends, and, and it, it speeds up and slows down according to your speed that you're traveling. Now, what is interesting about that is when Jesus makes a statement in Revelation chapter 1 and also in Revelation chapter 2, uh, 22, that he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. In that verse, the Bible tells us Jesus is saying that he lives in all times present. Now, I don't know anything like that. Everything I know has a date attached to it, whether it's my car, whether it's a gallon of milk that I buy in the store that you're always looking for the date furthest out so it'll be good. Um, everything we know has a date tied to it. But God isn't in that time zone like we are. And I think when when the Bible talks about eternity, I think it's going to be a whole different way of measuring time than than we do. Uh and and so understanding that and saying, well, can we travel faster than the speed of light? I believe we can travel as fast as God wants us to travel. Uh I believe that He made light. Um, and it tells us that he did in Genesis. So because of that, I believe that we're not bound to time, space, and matter like so many other people uh, think in in time. In other words, um, God's way of measuring things is much different than ours. So that's something for all of us to think about, Esther. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about on the other side of the break, which we're coming up on. And we'll have more to every man and answer right after this. In 2007, when Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, cried out to God, what can I do for you? The answer came loud and clear. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. But if we can get a mom into one of our clinics and show her her baby, and she has that a close encounter of the best kind in her womb, she will choose life. 
Preborn Network of Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. To learn more about the life-saving work of Preborn, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or visit preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax-deductible. Your love can save a life. You know, these days, so refreshing to get some good news about how to pay for health care, especially if you're 65 or older, you know just how brutal costs can be. Well, MediShare now has a new option for you. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus, and MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. And it really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. If you've got Medicare Parts A and B, MediShare 65+, Plus fills in those gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too, because it starts at only $99 a month for up to 10 years. And it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access, prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Just very worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is taking applications now. And if you call with the promo code SHARE before January 31st, your second month will be free. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. want to welcome you back to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer with Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And real quick, if you're in the uh, Hawaii area on the Big Island, sure would like to see you at the Sure Foundation uh, February 8th and the next few weeks afterwards as I will be teaching the Book of Revelation. And uh, so important that we know what's going to happen in the last days, and that's right here in Hawaii, and so we want to encourage you to uh, attend. You can go to Sure Foundation's app, or you can just go to SF, which is Sure Foundation, F-F-Una, P-U-N-A, and that'll get you there. Now, the only reason we have, like, signups is so we have an idea of how much material we need to have for everybody and everything like that. Everybody's welcome to come. And again, bring a friend if you want to really know what the Bible says. You know, so many uh, people on the Internet right now are saying things that are just so erroneous about the last times. And then when they don't happen, it stumbles people. People lose their faith. But if you read the Bible, and the Bible itself does the commentary on the rest of the book of Revelation, and then when you realize Revelation is written in order— so, you know, a few years back, they had a guy, oh, this star constellation, and oh, this is the fifth trumpet judge. Completely nutso. No, it's all in order. Why? It's to help people who believe in Christ during the tribulation period navigate through the worst time in the history of the world and to give them that faith that they're going to need to die for the relationship with Jesus. And so very clearly, we know there's going to be a lot of martyrs during the tribulation period. We find that in Revelation chapter 6. And so, again, this book so important for people to know. Now, is it is it there to scare Christians? No. It's there to let you know who Jesus Christ is, what's coming on the horizon, that which maybe would even motivate us to be a little bit more about our Father's business. I think so important. Now, going back to the phone, we had Esner on the line. 
about time, space, and matter. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, that's a favorite topic of mine. I love astrophysics, and um, I, I will say this, that uh, if you want to, one of the evidences of a false religion is one where their God is limited by time. That should be an automatic wake-up call that it's a man-made religion. Because if if God created everything and God started time, then God would not be bound by time. Uh, he would be free from time and free from the bondage of, of space and time. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's one of the great things about Christianity is that when you look at it from a physics perspective, um, it makes sense that God would, uh, the, the creator of, of time, creator of, of light, creator of the universe and space uh, would be a God who is not bound by it. And yet when you have a, you know, some people, they have a religion where they believe that, you know, their God has a, you know, has a wife and, and, uh, and that he was born and they were born by their mom and dad in heaven and they're, they were born by mom and dad in heaven. And then we get to heaven, we're going to have a, a planet. And I mean, it's, it's just, it shows you all the, the, uh, the evidence that it was, it's, it's a man-made because it's all in our linear, uh, reference point of time and, and matter. Um, God is above time and matter. It's also very uh, assuring to know that our God is so awesome that he's not bound by time. He knows what's going to happen before it happens. Uh, there's something really reassuring about that. And even when we're facing, like you said, like revelations, people get fearful. I was on a plane uh, to where I'm at now, which is uh, in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I'm going to be speaking at a conference at a Chinese uh, pastor's uh, minister's conference here uh, tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow um, and, and Sunday. But uh, when I was flying over, the couple next thing next to me start talking about the, the Lord. And they say, yeah, revelations, it's really scary. It's just really frightening to think about what's going to happen. And I said, well, you know, it's really nothing to be afraid of if you know the Lord. Um, you know, there's, no, there's nothing for us to fear if we know the Lord. Um, so anyway, I think that just it's just a reminder to me how important and valuable it is the fact that uh, that our God is free from time, free from space. And also, if your religion makes total sense to you and you can conceptualize it within your mindset of time and space, that's another evidence of a false man-made religion uh, as well. Um, the fact that some things don't make sense when the scriptures, when we read it, it's often because God is outside time and space, and that would be a natural, normal, uh, you know, uh, question in our minds and then difficulty of conceiving because we are bound by time and space. Yeah. And everything, once again, that we know has got some kind of a date tied to it. You know, you go right. to the cemetery and you see the birth date and then you see this little line and then you see the death date. And that little line was that person's life. Isn't that sad? When you see that little line on the tombstone, that little line was that person's whole life. But when you stop to think in, in heaven, there is no time. It exists in a different way. And so because that exists differently, I think the idea of time travel, space travel, all those things, what's beyond the stars? Well, the Bible says throughout all of eternity, God is going to show us his greatness. You know, a lot of people think, well, I get to heaven, I'm just going to get me a nice big puffy cloud and eat a bunch of angel food cake. You know, no, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that throughout all of eternity, God's going to show us his greatness. What's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? Boy, I can't wait to be in those classes. It's going to be great. Esther, I hope that helps. 
Yeah, I, I, it kind of does. I was just wondering, like, because, you know, when you go this, they say if you did go the speed of light that um, time slows down as you go get faster and faster. And so my whole thing was, is like, maybe heaven exists at the point where time stops. Is it, is it like another dimension? Because, I mean, I know it's... Well, you know, the Bible right. doesn't clearly tell us, and I don't want to add to God's Word, I, I've heard a lot of different theories and a lot of different thoughts. And again, Brad, just as you say, there's there's uh, nothing more sometimes intriguing than than talking about time, space, and matter and the, all these things. But when it comes to actually what the Bible says, you know, we just know that God has prepared a place for us in John 14, and he's going to come again and receive us unto himself that where he is, there we will be. And after this world is over, we'll be with him forever. And so something wonderful to look forward to. Esther, I hope that helps. It did. Uh, the other thing, just real quick, is I thought, like, you know how it, the angels are, like, like really light? I mean, you know, like, what are they, like, light? I think they travel super fast. I just thought that, that the fact that they probably are moving faster than the speed of light. An angel, maybe that's why we can't see them, because they're moving so fast. You know? uh, well, I, I don't know, but but we do know that that um, all the way through the Bible, we find them making their appearances. And so, Esther, stay on line. We'll send you out. God of Wonders, Evolution versus God. Um, excuse me. Atheist Delusion instead of that. Uh, the movie Jesus, Time to Grow. A couple other things I think you'll enjoy. Stay in line, Esther, and we'll get those out to you. And again, God bless you. Thanks for a great question. Th- those questions always make us think. Let's go to John, Grand Junction, Colorado. Hi, welcome. How you doing today? You guys do a great Good. show. Um, listen, I'm, I'm dealing with a flat earther that uh, happens to, she claims that she believes in God and all of that other stuff. And she used uh, the Hebrew meaning for the firmament, um, and uh, she quoted some scriptures about uh, in Genesis about the water above and the water below. And I was wondering if you could give me a list of scriptures that I could lovingly and kindly correct her in her belief. Well, if they, to a flat earther, there wouldn't be any water below. Uh, and, and second of all, when we realize that when the great flood came there, um, and the, the Bible says the rain came, but that says the wells of the deep broke open. And they, uh, there, there is one new cubic mile of water on the earth every year that was not on the earth before, not as a result of condensation and rain and all this kind of things, rivers. But it's brand new water that seeps out of the ground. And then uh, I just read an article not too long ago where they believe there's a giant ocean under China um, uh, where it's underneath the ground. So the wells of the deep broke open. The Bible says that God sits on the circle of the earth, the sphere of the earth. Um, and so we we have to understand, I think, that when you really look at facts, uh, the idea of flat earth is simply just a, a myth. Uh, again, we have what's called geosynchronous orbit of satellites, which most of you that are listening to CSN outside of southern Idaho, you're listening on a geosynchronous orbit. I asked a flat earther one time, the idea of a geosynchronous orbit is as the earth is turning, the satellite is turning at the same speed. The centrifugal force keeps the the um, 
satellite from being pulled into the Earth. And if it was going any slower, it would go into outer space. Uh, the gravity holds that satellite with just very minor corrections. And they said, oh, no, they're lying to you. The, the satellites are held up by balloons. And I just go, you know, you've got to have a certain level for conversation of intelligence. Right. And, and it simply is just not here. Um, you take the Golden Gate Bridge, the pylons and the towers that support the Golden Gate Bridge are closer together on the bottom than they are on the top. Because as these go straight up, they go straight up. Well, the farther you go up, the farther apart the tops of the towers become. If it was a flat earth, this would not be an issue. They have to calculate for the curvature of the earth when they make runways and all different kinds of things. There was a a, 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 a large production facility, I believe it was in Ohio, uh, uh, right about the beginning of the uh, Second World War. And they actually had to uh, allow... And, and add in the, the differences for the, the curve of the earth because the building was so long as it was a assembly line for the war effort. And so we, we find all these things and they go, well, the Bible says in Revelation, the four corners of the earth. Yeah, that's pretty much the way you would describe a map, don't you think? So they use these verses out of context disregarding any verses that that lean the other way, uh, out of Isaiah, God sits on the circle of the earth and things. Uh, you know, I, it's it's really an issue. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I mean, I know in the book of Job, it refers to the earth as a sphere yeah. as well. Um, it is, it's, it's, it's sad. Uh, I think it's a distraction when we, when people try to uh, come up with some doctrine that is nonsensical uh, and adds nothing also to the kingdom, adds nothing to the glory of God, adds nothing to um, spreading the gospel or transforming our lives. I believe Satan wants to distract us. Uh, he'll take that committed Christian or that person of faith and realize, okay, I, I just got to take him out of commission. Uh, I'm going to, and I think one of the ways he does it is by getting us obsessed with nuances and things that make make no sense at all. Uh, that can can distract us uh, from from the truth. Uh, this is nonsensical uh, in every way, shape, and form. And um, individuals who fall into that, generally speaking, what I've noticed, they don't just simply say, "Oh yeah, I'm a by the way, I'm a, I'm a you know flat earther," and and uh, da, da 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 da. Let's talk about you know the, the this gospel message. No, they are often obsessed with it, which shows me that's that's evidence. That uh, that there's something wrong about this, and there's something uh, distracting about this that is counter to the kingdom, um, and that's my biggest concern about this is the extent to which people are are allowing this to consume them and taking them away from their first love, which is the Lord Jesus Christ and the transforming work of the power of God. Amen. Again, Job twenty two fourteen, as you mentioned, uh, Brad. We have Isaiah 40, verse 22, as I mentioned, and then another one, Proverbs 8, 27. Those are a few verses that perhaps may be of some assistance to you. I hope that helps. Oh, it certainly does, brother. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll send you out to God of Wonders. I think that's something that you may, if you can get her to watch that, I think that will be something that would be, um, you know, very good, uh, you know, something that 
that will will absolutely help um because again you you've got to be able to to defend your faith uh but uh, you know oftentimes we have all these crazy ideas that are out there and so much come you know unicorns are real on the internet so you got to be real careful hope that helps john <laughs> right on brother thank you stay online we'll get you fixed up let's go to jamie ohio hi welcome How are y'all doing? Good, Jamie. How may we help? Yes, I had a quick question. I wanted to know if anything, is there anything I can do? Um, I visited my grandchildren in Georgia. I'm in Texas. They're in children's services. I At the pickup point, uh, their lawyer met me. I told them I was taking them to church and then to the bouncy house. That happened on Sunday the 14th. Uh, a few days later at their uh, court hearing with the CP, you know, Children's Services of Georgia. They cut off all communication uh, because they said my granddaughter was baptized and that those decisions are under the jurisdiction of Children's Services and um, not me. I did write the children's, the, the lawyer for Children's Services uh, saying, hey, I, I'm a, I'm a chaplain for 18 years for the feds, and I uphold everybody's rights. I wouldn't do anything to break the law. Uh, the girl is 10 years old. She asked the preacher to baptize her. I, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know she was going to want to get baptized that day, and he did. And so I want to know if there's there anything I can do, if anything. Boy, sees Isle. I mean, gosh, the government will control everything. Uh, you get to, you just get to the point, Brad, where you just get so sick of these guys. Man, your thoughts. Yeah, let me ask you. Uh, you are the custodian of those children, is that right? Your grandchildren? No, not not at this time. I was in the past, but I, no, I'm not. I'm just visiting. I'm the paternal uh, grandmother, and they allowed me visitation. I requested to come visit them, and they said yes, you can come visit. So I. So who's the who has, who has the, who has custody of the kids, not the, the biological parents, but some other couple? Yes, they're um, they're in the custody of Children's Services. They are actually at their uh, other grandmother's house. Okay, did the other grandmother object to this? Afterwards, yes. Okay. And uh, so she, she objected to... The kids going to church or being baptized or both? I don't know. There was no discussion. I did not. Um, when the granddaughter was baptized, she was excited. She's 10 years old. She called her grandmother. She said, I want to call and tell everybody. And so I gave her the phone. She called. And uh, from listening to what I could hear, there was not um, any happiness because she said, aren't you all excited for me? And they said, we'll talk to you later. And I didn't hear anything else until the court hearing when the right. uh, caseworker expressed that she had a concern and communications should be cut. Right. Is the other grandmother a Christian? What, what's her problem? Is she part of a, a cult or what, what's the issue? Another religion? I, I, I don't know. She does talk about. Um, seeing demons. She sent me pictures in the past 
about uh, demonic activity. She thinks the grand boy, the son, has them demons in him, which, mm. you know, um, and she, yeah. and she, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I've told her don't say that. You know, I know they don't go to church, but she does talk a lot about uh, demons, and they came from, I think, Youngstown, and they've seen aliens. I don't know. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, the general rule is that uh, those who have guardianship can, uh, you know, make decisions as to uh, whether the child goes to church or not and uh, et cetera. But she allowed the child to go to church. The child wanted to be baptized. Um, they responded to that. Uh, the church did. Uh, she had not given a directive, make sure the child's not baptized. Uh, so I don't think you did anything wrong. Uh, you were acting within the, the scope of what uh, you were allowed, which is to take her to church and and uh, a child coming forward and saying they want to be baptized and being baptized. Um, that's very foreseeable in a church. So, uh, yeah, feel free to contact our office. We have an office there uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, with an attorney. Uh, I'd like to look into this and to see to what extent this is state hostility uh, to to religion and particularly that ten year old hats off to her. That's exciting. It's such a shame that the other grandmother um, is apparently has, has has issues or maybe is lost and um, is uh, that made us by their objecting to the child being baptized. What church were they? Would you were you attending? By the way, uh, it was called in the impact. It was called the Impact. It's a church. I I'm, I don't belong to that church. I had visited one time prior with a, a grandchild, and they liked it because it's kid friendly. So I thought, oh, this would be a nice church. Uh, the you know, the yeah, kids. it's a Bible uh, Bible believing yeah. Bible teaching church. Yeah, yeah. So uh, okay. Well, anyway, I would contact our office on this so we can look into uh, more of it and see uh, what's going on because it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense that you would be. Uh, discipline. Are you being prevented from, or, or prevented from seeing her in the future? Is that what they're threatening? Is that what they decided to hearing? No, no, there's not a threat. It's a fact. They sent me an email. No communication at all. I got an really? email oh. from this worker here in big letters, quote, no communications. At all. Okay. And Definitely contact our office. I'd love to look into this and see if we might be able to um, to restore your ability to communicate with your granddaughter. Um, that's uh, that's uh, that's very, very disturbing, and I'd like to, to get more information. What? This thugs, I'll tell you. Boy, yeah. scary stuff, man. Uh, Jamie, our prayers are with you again. Now, Brad, very clearly, uh, tell Jamie how to contact you and what she needs to say. Yeah, so go to our website. It's pji dot org p for pacific j for justice i for institute dot org and there it'll say like a request legal review or maybe it says request help um just click that spell it out say that we talked on the radio show on this program and on csn and uh and then i encourage you to contact our office to see what we could do to enable you to um have a renewed renewed visitation at the least but it's the facts surrounding it that really uh, are troubling. Uh, general, generally speaking, the guardian has tremendous discretion. Uh, the extent to which you violated any directive is, is highly questionable. And uh, the, the, the religious nature of this and the, the hostility 
involved, extreme actions. That's that's all very concerning. I also encourage everyone out there uh, to download our article, 12 Steps to Protect Your Children from CPS or Social Workers. Extremely helpful. Every family should have that to help protect their kids from being taken in the first place uh, by social workers wrongfully. So I, I hope that hope that helps, dear. Yes, sir. Jamie Saline sent you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. And again, sorry to hear that you have this kind of trouble simply by, by doing what God says to do. But we realize that right now we have uh, government overstepping every area. Um, you know, they're, they're the lawbreakers. I mean, look at our southern border. That's Everything's going on there is all illegal. They won't do anything to stop it. And in fact, if you try to stop it, you're the lawbreaker. That's how right. messed up. That's how messed up our country really is. And, you know, um, Jamie, stay in line. I'll get you taken care of with that because, again, I think you'll you'll really enjoy those. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Royce in uh, Santa Clara, Utah. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, Royce. Hi. um, My question is about, uh, well, I have a legal one for Brad, but. Um, it's more kind of important. It's just about if he has an office in Southern Utah. But, um, my, uh, question that I called in with the screener was, um, about, is there any verses in the Bible that are specifically just unmisunderstandable that are against polygamy nowadays? Well, the, Jesus talked about, you know, the, a man is to leave his his mother and father, and to cleave to his wife. It doesn't say wives, of course. Um, what the world does is what the world does. Uh, we know the original design, Adam and Eve in the garden. So we have a good track record of one man and one woman. However, we know that that got uh, changed a lot and convoluted a lot uh, down through down through history and even down through the patriarchs of Israel. We find that as an issue. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, also, I think it's uh, important to take notice of the, the qualifications of uh, of an elder, um, you know, in, in the church. They were to be the uh, the husband of, it's really clear, by the way, husband of one wife. Now we say, well, why? why? Why would that be? Why would they want to be a husband of one wife? That's a standard. Everything in the, in the qualifications of those in leadership is a, a a moral standard above reproach, um, and so I think that that's that's something very very practical. At the time of the church, there may have been those who uh, married people who uh, already a man who may have had two wives at the time. Um, you know how the church dealt with that. You know in in, in the rearview mirror, I don't know, but looking moving forward, it makes total sense that. Uh, that the church would want to set that standard with regards to their elders and those in authority as examples. Yeah, the husband of one wife isn't speaking about semi-divorce. It's carried over from the Old Testament requirements for the priest. Now, if you're going to be a pastor, he Paul writes to Timothy saying this is what needs to be done. If you have any questions, be sure to contact Brad, Brad Dacus, again, pji.org. Thanks, Brad. God bless you all. Have a safe weekend. Today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 